So uh, as you know, uh, my family just went through the process of moving and that's always fun. We, we, Melissa and I did some math. It was our 15th move in 20 years. So some of you probably have that beat. Uh, I, I can imagine that some of you have moved uh, a lot as well. But yeah, we just went through our 15th move in 20 years of marriage. And uh, anytime you move, when you're in that process, there's lots of random things that get put in a lot of random places uh, to, to get transported from one place to another. And so that, that happened a lot. Things were thrown into Melissa's uh, van. Things were thrown into my car. Uh, my car was definitely one of those places that got a lot of random stuff uh, thrown into it to try to move it from our old house to our new house. And I'm finding odd stuff all over the place in my car. Just randomly, I'll, I'll stumble upon something. Yesterday, I found this in the back seat. And, uh, and just in case you can't see that, that is a puzzle piece. Uh, and I, I found just this one piece of a puzzle, no box, uh, no other pieces, just that. And it's not very useful, is it? Uh, and it really kind of got me thinking about this whole puzzle concept and finding one piece of a puzzle. Uh, what is needed to complete a puzzle? What do you need to finish a puzzle? Uh, first of all, the first thing you need to finish a puzzle is you need all the pieces. So this one is pretty much out of luck. Uh, you're not going to finish this puzzle. But that that is the first thing you need is you have to have all the pieces to finish the puzzle. Um, but really, that's kind of it. That's all you really need to finish a puzzle. The picture on top of the box would be nice, but it's not required. You can finish a puzzle without the box top. Uh, no skill is really needed in finishing a puzzle. Because if you have enough tenacity, if you're just determined enough, uh, you'll eventually find a combination that works. I mean, realistically, you could take one piece, try every other piece into that spot, and eventually one of them is going to work. It's gonna take you a long time, but you could absolutely finish it just by trying every combination uh, that works. So skills not really work uh, necessary. And when it comes to putting a puzzle together, you're guaranteed that you will finish that puzzle eventually as long as you don't give up. That puzzle is going to be completed as long as you just keep going. As long as you keep trying, that puzzle will eventually be finished. Uh, no matter how challenging the puzzle is, because sometimes some puzzles are more challenging than others. Uh, I, I watched, uh, I saw a thing the other day, if somebody was doing a puzzle, the puzzle was all white. Every piece was completely white, no color, nothing. So you're just putting the, the pieces, the interlocking pieces together with no guide whatsoever. That's a challenge. Um, but with enough time, you will finish it. And that having been said, how many times have we walked away from a puzzle because we thought it was too difficult or more than likely you needed the table back for something else. Dinner was starting and it had to be cleaned up. And uh, so you just kind of shove it all back in the box and you say, oh, well, I didn't finish it. Um, and it never gets done. So here's the thing. In this series uh, called Some Assembly Required, we've been talking about how we're all this work in progress. We're all in this process throughout our lives of being made more like Jesus. And, and when we're finished, God will have made us perfect. That process we talked about a few weeks ago is called sanctification. And it's this lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. And this story we're all a part of involves that process. Becoming more and more like Jesus every day that we allow God uh, to work on us. And unlike the puzzle that I talked about a second ago, you're not missing any pieces. 
there's nothing missing from you. Second Peter 1, 3 tells us this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And so there's no pieces missing from you. There's nothing that you have to find. You have everything you need. God's given you all the pieces. Some of you, I think, really need to hear that today because you think you're too damaged or you think you're too off track or you think you're too untalented for God to use in any meaningful way. And 2 Peter tells us that that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, the Bible tells us that we need just one thing to make sure we finish. We need endurance. That's really the one thing we need to make it through to the end. I noticed uh, something the other day as I was thinking about this sermon and I was thinking about the English language. There are some words in the English language that uh, everyone values the word, but they really can't exist unless you experience something negative alongside it. Uh, the greater the negative, the greater the value on the positive side. Uh, and now that I've thoroughly confused you because you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me give you an example. A word that, I, that is kind of in this category is victory. Victory is a great word. We celebrate this word. This is a, a huge positive word, victory. It's a great word. Everyone likes a victory. Everyone celebrates a victory. But victory implies that there was a battle fought, a competition that took place, and there was a loser involved as well as that victor. And a great victory that means that there was someone on the epic side of that loss as well. And the greater the victory, the greater the loss for someone else. So there's two sides of that. And uh, that's a word that means that there's something negative associated with something very positive. Another word uh, that is like that is the topic of our message today. And that word is endurance. Endurance is highly valued. He has got great endurance. He, he, he will make it through. It's an incredibly positive word. Uh, it's an affirming word that they, they have endurance. But the reality of endurance is that you have to go through rough times to develop it. You have to go through rough times to need it. If there's, ever, if there's never anything difficult in your life, if there's never any adverse circumstances, then you can't say you endured. I mean, no one ever claims to have endured a relaxing massage. I guess maybe if you really dislike a massage, then you could endure the massage. But you don't endure a pay raise. You don't endure a promotion at work. Those are things you just accept gratefully. You can't endure things that are positive and bring joy to your life. You just don't use that word endurance. But there are definitely things in our lives that we can endure. There are things we have to endure. There are things you have to endure right now. Problems and crisis and trouble and suffering and quarantine and criticism and danger and persecution and pain. All things that require endurance. We've got to have endurance if we're gonna see our way through these things. And the greater the trouble, the bigger our problems, the more endurance is required to make it through to the other side. I want to look at James 1 verses 2 through 4 this morning. And that's our text that's going to walk us through this concept. And James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete 
needing nothing. We're going to go through uh, these few verses of scripture from James, one phrase at a time, and just kind of break this down and really unpack what James is trying to tell us and teach us about endurance and, and what it means for our lives. And the first thing James starts off with is when troubles come your way. When troubles come your way is how James begins this. And the first thing he tells us right off the top, and it's kind of a predictor for everything else, is this. Trouble happens. Trouble is a reality in this life. You're going to face trouble. You're going to go through hard times. There are no special exemptions to this. And, and it's kind of frustrating, right? I mean, we think promises, all the promises in God's word are positive, but they're not. This is a promise from God's word. Troubles will come your way. This, this is something that God's word tells us is going to happen. There is no get out of trouble for life card that you can play and have things instantly become better for the remainder of your life. And I'm sure this is not this big moment where some of you are going, oh, I mean, this is not a big aha re revelation for you. Uh, we've all been there. We've all gone through this. We've all experienced this. We all are experiencing this. Um, most of us are facing something difficult at just about every stage of our life. And I don't think he says it this way. I don't think James is saying this to try to convince anyone of the reality of life. James is not trying to, hey guys, just so you know, you have to understand there's gonna be troubles. I think the reality of life is right in front of our face. In James's era and in our era today, we know there's troubles. We know that's gonna happen. I think what James is doing is he's saying this to reassure us. James is saying this to help us understand uh, that you're not abnormal. You're not alone, at least for this reason. Some of us are abnormal for all sorts of reasons. But you're not being punished when you go through difficulty. Trouble happens. And it happens to people who are living for God, just like it happens for everyone else. Listen to what uh, is written in 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Here it is. Here's another one of those great promises of God's word. You probably will not find this written in one of those promise books, you know, that you can buy with all the promises of God listed out for you. You probably won't find this in those books, but this is a promise from God. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Making a decision to live for God does not end difficulty in life. It doesn't finish that. It doesn't close that chapter. The race we're all running is filled with tough sections all along the way. And the key here is not that God detours us around all of the tough spots and the rough patches in the road. God doesn't do that, but he helps us navigate through them. He helps us continue on. God's love is our guide through everything that we're going to face. And I'm just, let me just tell you something up front. We've already shared a bunch. There's a lot of scripture in this message today. I have a ton of verses that I'm going to be sharing with you today. And so I want to encourage you, uh, it might really be helpful to grab a, a pad of paper and a pen and at least just jot down the references so that later on you can go back and just read through all of these because this is, it's a great way to progress through and just see everything that the Bible has to say about this concept of endurance and trouble that we're going to face and how they relate to one another. And so uh, you might want to just at least jot down the references as we work through this message today. But as I just mentioned, God's love is our guide through all of those difficult pathways in life. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, 
is always hopeful, and here's the key word, and endures through every circumstance. Love endures through every circumstances. And so God's love in us that gets worked out through us into the lives of other people and into the circumstances of the world around us, love is absolutely something that will help us to endure. When we make that decision to love, to prioritize other people, to prioritize God himself, when we make that choice, that is going to help develop that endurance in us. And, and there's that word of the day again, endurance. Love endures, not through some, not through a good chunk, not through most, but love endures through every circumstance is what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. Love endures through every circumstance. No matter what difficulty you may find yourself in right now, no matter what hard time you're facing, no matter how rough the circumstances, I want you to know that according to the promises of God's word, you are not in too deep. God is right there with you. And here's another passage that is such an encouraging, this is, I think, one of the most encouraging passages of scripture in the entire Bible uh, when it comes to things we face in this life and what we're gonna go through. And it's found in Romans 8, uh, verses 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. And boy, is that a key passage right there. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow cannot separate us from God's love. That is a huge uh, passage of scripture that we need to internalize and, and hold on to that during rough patches of the journey. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, that is just such an encouraging passage of scripture. And it's, it's one that maybe some of you really needed to hear right now. You needed to hear that today. That despite what you're seeing happening in your life, in your family, in your job, in our country, in the world, despite what's happening right now, you can know and be confident of the fact that God loves you and nothing will ever separate you from his love. No death of someone else, no betrayal, no job loss, no marriage struggle. Nothing will able to be, be able to separate you from God's love. Throughout your journey, he is there with you, right beside you. Now, the next thing that James says is this. Consider it an opportunity. Consider it an opportunity. And this is one of those where you write it and you're like, dude, have you ever faced anything in your life, bro? I mean, come on. You want me to consider this an opportunity? I mean, often we look at struggle as either something we just get through, like I just want to make it through to the other side of this, or we give up. But God says it is something more. James says we are to consider these rough patches of our lives as the difficult things we go through, the adversity we face, the tragedies that we endure. James says we are to consider these as opportunities in our lives. In 1956, five missionaries led by Jim Elliott were killed by Aka tribesmen uh, that they were called by God to reach. They were sent there and they were 
viciously murdered by these, uh, this tribal people that God had sent them to reach and to show his love to them. And it was a devastating, it was a life-changing blow uh, to Elizabeth Elliot, who was Jim's wife of just three years, uh, who just 10 months before had given birth to their first son. It was an incredible tragedy. And, and, and it's a tragedy that shapes the direction of your life from that point forward. Nothing is ever the same on the other side of a tragedy like that. And yet, uh, the incredible story of Elizabeth Elliot isn't that she endured that and stayed true to her faith. She did endure that and stay true to her faith. Uh, she did exactly that. But what makes that story amazing, and I'm sure you've heard the story, maybe you've uh, read uh, the book that she wrote on it, or they, they made a movie about it. Uh, th it's a very, very, very powerful, powerful story of faith. But what makes it amazing is that Elizabeth viewed this not just as something to endure that she could make it through to the other side, but she considered this an opportunity. She stayed in Ecuador and she spent years learning the Aka language. And she, she immersed herself in it and learned the language. And in 1958, just two years after she had her husband viciously taken from her, Elizabeth returned to live among the Aka people. And she taught them about the love of Jesus. Just two years later. And then nine years after that tragic event, the Gospel of Mark was now published in the Aka language. Many of them became followers of Jesus. And the pastor of their tribe now, uh, whose name was Kimo, he was also one of the ten killers who killed the five missionaries nine years previously. He was now the pastor of their tribe. And he had the opportunity to baptize the children of one of the missionaries that he himself had killed. God used Elizabeth uh, to reach the unreachable because where others would have seen an ending, she saw an opportunity. And what I want you to see is that sometimes struggle, and I don't want to trivialize them, you know, these uh, missionaries losing these five men and uh, having to get through that. It's not just a struggle. That is tragedy of the highest proportions. But Sometimes these struggle and rough patches of road or even road closed signs that we see as we journey through life don't mean it's time to give up. They don't mean that it's time to just cash in our chips and just say, oh, well, it's not going to work. Sometimes it means a change of direction. Sometimes it means another path around. God provides different opportunities and leads us in new directions. And we just need to be unwilling to give up. And I want to challenge you with that today. You need to be unwilling to give up. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, be unwilling to give up. Here's a real application for right now where we are. We are at a unique place right now in our story as a church plant. We're four years in as a church plant, and right now we're homeless. We don't have a place to meet. And that's a challenge. I, I don't want to view that, though, as something to just be endured. Well, we'll get through it. You know, we'll do what we have to do. Guys, I consider this an opportunity. There's a reason that doors are closing. And I believe that God is going to kick the doors open for Trilogy somewhere. I believe that we're going to see an amazing opportunity that maybe we would have never seen if we had just week after week just stayed in the elementary school and just kept going and just kept doing what we were doing and it becomes routine and it becomes what you're used to and you're comfortable there. 
I believe God is going to kick the doors open somewhere, whether it's a new place to meet, a property to buy, uh, some land to acquire. God has huge plans for us as a church. And this difficult season, I really believe, is going to propel us, launch us into the next season of growth and the next chapter in our story as a church. And God's going to get the glory through it all. So I just want to encourage you to continue to pray with me. Join with me in praying that we would consider this an opportunity and pray that God would keep our eyes wide open to see the opportunity that he's going to bring us. So the next thing that James writes is, when your faith is tested, he continues with that phrase, when your faith is tested, every trial you go through is a test of your faith. There's no question. It's a test of your faith. And how you respond to that test is an indicator of where you will go from here. Now notice, this verse doesn't say God is testing your faith. It doesn't say when God tests your faith. It says when your faith is tested. Your problems are not all caused by God. We live in a sin-filled, self-absorbed, God-rejecting world. That is that is what we deal with on a regular basis. There are many places our struggles come from. They come from other people and their sinfulness. They come from ourselves and our sinfulness. They come from the enemy who would bring problems into our lives. And yes, sometimes God leads us through a time of testing. That can happen as well. I heard a story the other day that is a huge example of how we can respond to unbelievable pain and circumstances in our lives because we, we face those kinds of obstacles. Um, Iran is a country where the church uh, experiences extreme persecution. It is, it is a closed country. Uh, we can't send missionaries in there openly. Churches can't meet openly. Iran is, is a very difficult place to be a follower of Jesus. And the church has to operate in hiding. Uh, they meet in houses away from the eyes of the Muslim extremists who would, would kill them because of their proclamations of faith. And I have a missionary friend named Gary who told me a story about an older couple who pastored one of these house churches in Iran. And Gary had the opportunity to visit Iran to meet with their leadership, the local church leadership, with regard to setting up online Bible colleges uh, these online Bible college programs for underground church leaders there to go through and increase their knowledge of the word and their ability to communicate God's word. And so we're setting up all these online tools and equipping them with the opportunity to further uh, their uh, growth as pastors. And one week before he and his team went into Iran, the authorities knocked on the door of the house where that church met. They entered the house and they beat the pastor and his wife to death. And then they, they had a teenage son and they beat this teenage son to within an inch of his life. But they left him alive as an example to others so he could propagate their message of fear and make sure everybody knew that this was unacceptable. And anybody who professed faith in Jesus was going to meet the same fate. A few weeks later, uh, one of our missionaries in Istanbul got an email from this son. Uh, who had lost his parents, who had been beaten up uh, and, and threatened to be killed himself and was told to share this message of fear so other people would give up their faith. And this is the email that this son sent. He says, we mourn the loss of our father, pastor, and one of our greatest leaders. But please let our brothers and sisters know that we will not be broken. 
we will not bow, and Jesus is still Lord. Guys, I hear stories like that, and it just, it motivates me so much in my own personal faith. To know that despite the circumstances, no matter what obstacles we face, Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is Lord no matter what we deal with in this life. And, and that, that house church is going to survive and I believe it's going to thrive and I believe that countless other Iranians are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the faith of this son who despite the death of his parents, the execution of his parents, is committed to seeing the light of Christ shine in that dark place. He continues to pastor the church and he's helping others see God's love in the middle of incredible persecution. And let that be a reminder to us today that when our faith is, is tested, we have a decision that we have to make. His faith was tested and he passed that test with flying colors. What are the tests that we experience? We face all sorts of tests in this life. What type of struggles do we endure? Can we be encouraged today by the example of this Iranian Christ follower halfway around the world? You better believe we can be encouraged by him. But there's a greater example than this, this, this teenage boy for us to follow. Hebrews 12, one through three tells us what that example is. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now listen to this. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Guys, Jesus, the creator of all that is, the living word of God, the perfect sacrifice for your sin and for mine, Jesus, the greatest example of God's love who's ever walked this earth, he faced persecution. He faced ridicule. He endured pain, suffering, and even death for the cause of the gospel. And guys, if Jesus went through it, who am I to say that my troubles are too great? That what I'm going through is too rough? We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Next, James says this, endurance has a chance to grow. James knows that we have a choice here. It's on us. Your endurance has a chance to grow. It doesn't have to grow. It won't automatically grow. It has a chance when we are tested. And here's the key. The way we respond to the testing of our faith due to the trials of life determines whether or not our endurance will grow. The way you respond determines whether your endurance will grow. If you give up, if you walk away, your endurance is not going to grow. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you continue to press forward, if you continue to move on, if you continue to, to carry the cause of the gospel, if you continue on despite the adversity, your endurance will grow. But how we respond makes the difference. And how are we supposed to uh, respond? James tells us that. He says, so let it grow. Let it grow. Uh, let it happen. Don't make it happen. He doesn't say cause your endurance to grow. He says, let it grow. It's passive. All we have to do is get out of the way and let our, our endurance grow. You don't develop endurance. God develops endurance in you. That's the Holy Spirit's role. 
is to cause us to become stronger. So let it grow. Stop fighting the world. Your job is not to fight the world. Don't battle the enemy. It's not your fight. Resist the enemy and let God fight the battle in which he's already won the war. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Guess what? In, in, in Ephesians 6, it lists all sorts of the armor of God. And there's a huge list, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the helmet of truth, or uh, the helmet of salvation. Uh, there's all sorts of items in this list of armor that we're supposed to take up. And they're all defensive in nature. They're all to protect us as we stand firm. We're not doing battle with the enemy. God has done battle with the enemy and he won. All we have to do is endure. And so God has equipped us with this defensive armor. What's the only offensive item in that whole list? Well, right next to the shield of faith is the sword of the spirit. There it is. That's the offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is our weapon. And we see this when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. How did he respond? He didn't call down fire from heaven to consume the enemy. No, he responded with the sword of the spirit. He quoted scripture back at the enemy. That's how he defeated the enemy. And guys, I just want to encourage you. You need to endure. You need to stand strong and you need to have the word of God at your disposal. Know God's word because that is the only offense we have against the enemy because he will flee in the face of truth. God's power is fighting for us. Put on his armor so you can stand firm. What is stand firm? That's endure. So you can have endurance through difficulty. When we face rough spots in this race, when we are met with roadblocks, when we experience pain, God's message to us is this in those circumstances. Keep running. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep moving forward no matter what it is. Because James finishes here, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. And I don't know about you, I can't wait for the day when I am perfect and complete because I look at myself in the mirror right now and say, that ain't perfect and it's far from complete. There's a whole lot of these pieces that still need to be assembled in my life. But the awesome thing is the more these pieces that get put into place, the more that we find where they fit and how they go together, and the more that picture becomes complete, when this puzzle is done, when every piece is put into place, it's not my image that's going to be seen. It's the image of Jesus that is there when this puzzle is complete. Because God is completing that work in me so that at the end I will be perfect and complete. In other words, it won't be over in this lifetime. Because you won't be perfect and complete until heaven. Revelation 2.19 says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and get this, and your patient endurance. There it is again. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. We're always growing. We're always moving forward. So keep running. Keep growing. Don't give up. Hebrews 10.36, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then, here it is, you will receive all that he has promised. We are able to accomplish seemingly impossible tasks if we don't give up. 
if we don't cave in, if we won't buckle under, despite criticism, despite intense opposition, despite overwhelming obstacles, despite all of these things, we need to persevere with incredible determination to never throw in the towel and quit. So many times the easiest thing to do would be to quit, to just give up, to, to forget about this gospel story that we're living and return to the comfort and the convenience of mediocrity. Give in to the words of the critics, give in to the opposition, surrender to your circumstances, but there is incredible power in enduring. The race is not always won by the fastest, the game isn't won by the strongest, but it's by the ones who will keep going, who will refuse to give up, who will never stop running this race. And it brings me back to a line that I've used before, you've heard me say this before, but it is always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit, guys. Just keep going. One of the most powerful and destructive tools Satan has in his arsenal is discouragement. To get you down, to get you defeated, to get you surrendering, the subtle and dangerous desire to give up, to quit, to throw your hands up and just say, what's the use? When you are tempted to quit, resist. We have to endure. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say get aggressive with the devil. It doesn't say fight the devil. It just says resist. Just stand firm. We've got to press on in the face of the temptation to quit. Until this war is over, we have to fight to the end. Until the wall is built, keep stacking bricks. Until the race is finished, keep running. Never, ever give up. The promises of God are always at the end. And we have the promise of God waiting for us that at the end, we will be complete. And not only complete, we will be made perfect. I don't know what the future holds in this life. For me, for my family, for Trilogy, for our nation, I don't know what the future holds, but I absolutely know who holds the future. And even though I don't know what the future holds in this lifetime, guys, I know what the future holds in eternity. And that's worth anything that I could go through here. The future he has promised to those who would endure makes everything worth it in the end. No matter what you're going through, I want to challenge you, keep running. Keep putting one piece of the puzzle together after another. Just keep putting it together. Some assembly required. We're in that process of going through that. No matter how difficult it seems, keep moving forward. God is right here with you. And here's the most important part. He has already won. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer this morning? God, we just want to come to you this morning and thank you for the fact that you have won the war. God, we're in the middle of battles all the way along. And God, I thank you that these aren't battles we have to fight. We don't even have to fight. You're fighting for us. God, all you ask us to do is stand firm, to endure, to make it through, to not give up, to have that kind of tenacity. And God, I pray that you would grow that in us as we stand firm, as we endure more. God, strengthen that spiritual muscle that we have to continue to go through. And God, I pray for uh, those that are, are really wrestling with difficult stuff right now. God, we have people in our church who are jobless right now, whose 
uh, they've lost income, they're struggling, they, they, they're wondering how they're gonna make their house payments, how they're gonna put groceries on the table uh, with the economy. Uh, God, we have people that are struggling in their marriages right now. We have people that are facing all sorts of difficult circumstances. But God, I pray that you would help us to, to endure, to stand firm in you. God, to immerse ourselves in your word and let that be our weapon, the truth of your word. And God, I pray this morning as there may be some sitting here and, and listening to this message who they're, they're not even sure where they're at in their faith right now. God, I pray that they would stop, that they would pray and just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me. I want to live for you. And God, I pray that you would respond to that simple prayer as you promised you would in your word, that you would forgive them, that you would help them, God, to, to see a new chapter in their, their story beginning to unfold. And God, let them begin to run this incredible race of faith that you've called each one of us to. And God, I just pray that you would continue to grow us together as a church. God, as we talked about last week, that, that we are better together continue to grow us together. And as we wrap up this series today, God, I pray that you would help us to all understand that we will finish. We will see it through to the end if we do not give up and protect us from that. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for setting the example for us and we will follow you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.